0: G'day, I'm Ian Campbell from Palliative Care Australia. Welcome to Thursdays at 3. PCA's new video and podcast series that taps into conversations with people living and working at the end of life. Whether you're tuning in through Spotify, YouTube or our socials, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Today we head to regional Queensland, dropping in on Fraser Coast Hospice, a community-run six-bed purpose-built facility at Harvey Bay, just south of Bundaberg. Gary formerly known as Fraser Island, is just outside the window. And as with any community-led initiative, there's a lot of heart and soul that went into making the Fraser Coast Hospice a reality, not to mention the heart and soul that's part of this place every single day in the support they offer people living with life-limiting illness and their family and friends during the last months, days and weeks of their life. Joining us today is the Director of Care of Fraser Coast Hospice, Alicia Trimmingham-Till. Thanks so much for your time today, Alicia.
1: Thank you, Ian, and thank you for the invitation to talk about Fraser Coast Hospice.
0: Pleasure. You took your first client in October, 2021, not too long ago, really, a relatively new service, but the journey started in 2018. What's the backstory, Alicia?
1: So um, our founder is uh, Jacine Leslie. She's a registered nurse who works in um, radiation oncology here in Harvey Bay. And uh, she was caring for in 2018 for a, a patient um, by the name of Sally. And uh, Sally was uh, presented for her radiotherapy treatment but was really unwell and um, at that time and had to be transferred over to the Harvey Bay Hospital and unfortunately in um, 48 hours passed away in the um, short-stay emergency. So JC was really um, troubled by there not being uh, a hospice-type uh, a facility or palliative environment where... Uh, people could spend um, their last days and uh, she uh, got together with a group of like-minded health professionals in Harvey Bay and they um, made a submission to the federal government and were successful to receive some funding that um, built the building um, of which we're in now um, here in Arawine in Harvey Bay and uh, gave us some funding to get started for the first couple of years of the service.
0: Such an extraordinary achievement for a small community. Yeah. There's a bunch of flowers that are really important to this story.
1: There Tell us are. about the
0: bunch of flowers.
1: So, um, one once Sally had passed away, her husband actually sent flowers um to the staff at the radiotherapy unit where Jayceen was, and those flowers became the inspiration for Jayceen and the group of like-minded um. You know, individuals to get the project um, off the ground, so they've become Sally's flowers. We actually have a beautiful canvas print of those um, flowers in our reflection room at the hospice, and we also had uh, a local artist who uh, has done an artist impression of those flowers, which is um, proudly hanging in the hospice as well. So, they're a constant.
0: Yeah, yeah, must be very special for Sally's family to to know that Fraser Coast Hospice has has come from her death.
1: Yes, yeah, very special and very important, yeah, yeah.
0: Here we are talking about hospice care, Alicia, but I'm really aware a lot of people might not know what hospice care is or what a hospice does. Mm -hmm. What's the elevator pitch? How do you explain it?
1: So a hospice is, is a place uh, where we provide inpatient uh, palli- 24 hour round-the-clock palliative care um, for people who are suffering from a life-limiting illness. Uh, we accept people for admission who are at the end of their life, so that means they might be within the last um, weeks or days uh, or hours of their life. We accept people who are suffering with symptoms that need to be uh, looked at and treated, um, and we uh, help them with those symptoms and 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 possibly hopefully get them back home so that they can continue to be at home. And we also offer respite, and sometimes that respite is for the families who are caring for their loved ones at home. So we have a registered nurse and personal care assistant, uh, twenty four hours round the clock. And we also have uh, an admitting uh, doctor who coordinates basically the the admission, uh, the palliative admission for the client. We have a very um, relaxed, uh, peaceful environment. We encourage families um, to come and go as they please. We don't have any set visiting hours and um, we encourage family to stay overnight. and we also encourage four-legged visitors and the, the likes to, um, to be, they're the very important parts of, of people's families. So, um, we encourage, um, dogs and cats and, I think had a few birds and um, guinea pigs even um, visit it. which has been lovely um so we just want to really what we're creating and what I talk to people about when we when families or even clients themselves look through the facility is that it's a compromise between a hospital environment where you have that medical, uh, and nursing back up um, and home, a place where you really want to be and where a lot of strains do want to be to pass away. But clients can have that, and families can have that relaxed atmosphere, knowing that there's a nurse available or the doctor available to help with any symptoms or things they might need.
0: It, it provides a choice to people, doesn't it? It, it, it does it's an,
1: provide it's another,
0: another choice. So, And I guess it empowers people's decision-making at that critical time of their life.
1: It does. And one of our main strategic plan, part of our strategic plan was to create transfer pathways for people directly from home so palliative patients at home to be able to come straight to the hospice without having to go through the hospital and um, that's really important to know that for families that we have that available if they're if they're struggling at home and sometimes that does happen and it's also but it's also reassuring them that that because someone's come into the hospice it, it doesn't mean that they haven't done well at home. They no. a lot of families do really well for a, a long time at home yeah. to care for people. So and we just provide that last, last little bit of support for them.
0: Mm. Alicia, how do you keep the lights on? Yours is a is a free service. How do you how do you stay afloat?
1: Well as I said we were very fortunate um, the federal government in 2018 um, granted us money to build the building and of which we're in. The Fraser Coast Regional Council, uh, um, Peppercorn leased the land to us. So uh, we don't pay, we didn't buy the land. We don't pay anything for the land. So they've been, the Fraser Coast Regional Council has been very generous as well. Um, we are coming to the end of that federal grant. So we have started an intensive um, promotional as well as fundraising um, activities in the community to help us keep this um going even today one of our retirement villages they um they put their heads together in january uh uh, and on australia day they they asked all the residents in their um, in their living um, area to donate some items for an auction, and they got 124 uh, auction items and auctioned them all off after Australia breakfast and raised oh, sorry, $1,735 for us, and they dropped that off today. So it's it's that sort of thing that helps us keep the lights on, that, that helps us keep providing that care. Yeah.
0: Um- volunteers play such a critical role in the delivery of palliative care services right across australia and perhaps in a way of, of no other sort of health service volunteers are just so critical to palliative care what role they do they play there at, at fraser coast hospice
1: we have volunteers right from the very front door our, f- our front of house greeting answering telephones helping visitors find their way we have volunteers in housekeeping in our kitchen we have volunteers mowing the lawns and helping with gardens. We have volunteers who help with um, fundraising as well. So a large um, cohort of, of really dedicated, wonderful local people who are who who are helping us to provide the service. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What sort of place is it to work, Alicia? I imagine it's a place of of tears and. Laughter. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the end of life can be a magic time of life as well, if it's if it's done well. What sort of place is it to work for for you? A place of
1: laughter and, and tears? We have um, a, 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 a balance. Yes, it, we we need to create that. That normality that people have at home, where you know the washing's done, there's you know meals around the kitchen table, and and um, we have a kitchen table in our family room. We have um, you know the laughter and we have the tears, and um, that doesn't just—it's not just affecting families and the people that are visiting us. It also affects our staff and volunteers. So we have um, that that balance between life and living it and living it to the very end uh, but also that respect for the loss of very loved people um, in our care. Yeah. What
0: drew you to, to palliative care, to, to end-of-life care?
1: Well I became a registered nurse in 2001 and worked in uh, medical and oncology nursing and uh, I think I was drawn by the drawn by being able to help people who really really need help uh, at in such a a, a a difficult time. So I was fortunate in very early in my career to work in a, another hospice in Queensland. Uh, back in two thousand and three, I spent twelve years there, and um, it, it was just such a privilege. And it continues. I stepped out of. I stepped out of. Uh, hospice back into acute um, hospital nursing a couple of years ago, but it became really apparent to me that, um, that the privilege to care for people and their families at this time in, in their lives and how much difference we can make and how much, how, if the care is really good, um, we can help families be resilient, in, you know, many years into the future. So, yeah, it's very... Yeah. I I, I I find it rewarding. A lot of people over my over the twenty years I've been nursing have said, "How do you do that? How do you look after people who are dying all of the time?" But for me, it's just a, it's a privilege, and I think it's something that I'm able to do. So mm-hmm. I think that's drew me in. Yeah,
0: the heart and soul that goes with this work is is really obvious. But I imagine that translates into your personal life. Uh, as well mm-hmm. and your own, I guess your own end of life planning and and those sort of big discussions about life with family and friends. What have you learnt about life that you've bring that you bring into your your life outside of work?
1: I I think it's really important Australians, well, as a society, we don't communicate very well about death and we don't mm-hmm. like to talk about death. We don't like to plan our death. But for me, uh, you know I make I've made sure that I've told the people that I really love in my life what I would like at the end of my life. Um, and I've w- worked at making sure I have my affairs in stating to, my affairs in 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 sorted like my will and EPOA and those yep. sorts of things and, and statement of choices and making sure that people, that are going to make decisions for me at the end of my life, know what it is that I want.
0: Yeah. Alicia, just touching on, I guess, the the here and now and some of the issues that, that the palliative care sector and the health sector more broadly are, are, are dealing with, and certainly staffing issues is, is one thing that's front of mind for a whole bunch of sectors right across the Australian economy. How are you going with staffing pressures at the moment at Fraser Coast Hospice? Do you have everyone you need?
1: We we have certainly had some challenges around staffing. Uh, the, the world pandemic hasn't been helpful with that in terms of illness and healthcare workers needing to be away from their healthcare facilities. But we uh, have been very fortunate um, to have had some really good quality nursing staff uh, apply for positions and and, and um, who are working at the hospice. We, one of the... Uh, workforce issues we do, we have encountered is uh, perhaps um, um, not so much training and experience in palliative care in a, in a regional area, um, not having other palliative facilities in the in the region um, where people may have worked previously. So we are very committed here at Fraser Coast Hospice to educate our staff as well as we can and provide as many um, resources for them to be able to grow and become specialists in in palliative care themselves. So that that would be the main challenges. But generally, uh, we have uh, an awesome group of registered nurses and personal care assistants who are um, providing really good palliative care. And they're very keen to learn, very keen to uh, do well and look after the members of our, of our community. Alicia, you
0: touched on that sort of regional setting that you guys live and, and work in, and often in regional communities, the primary health care providers, the GPs, the, the nurse practitioners, the, the RNs are the, are the front line in, in local health services. They must play a huge role for, for you at Fraser Coast Hospice, those, those primary health workers.
1: They do. Uh, Domiciliary uh, nurses out in the community, the community palliative care nurses from the local health service district, they absolutely do play a huge role um, for looking after people in the community prior to coming into the hospice. And we've worked really hard to um, foster the relationships with those um, practitioners out or healthcare workers out in the community.
0: What's your pitch for working in the palliative care sector, Alicia, or or if you're an RN or a doctor and you might not necessarily have that palliative care experience or those palliative care skills, what's your pitch to those people to, to get involved, to get those skills?
1: I think... Palliative care is a really rewarding career. It's, it's, uh, you can, it's a specialized area. It's something that you can, um, develop some really good, uh, skills in and really support, um, the people generally, their community, their families. I think it's really rewarding to go home at night sometimes and, and know that you've made a difference to people's lives, especially, uh, I, I find that when we have phone calls for admission, when someone's at home and they're just not coping, um, they just really need to go uh, into to be cared for in in a facility. Um, the family's just so relieved to be able to come into an environment where they can be part of the care and um, and know that we're available to help um at any time right around the clock so I think the 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 message is it's it's just a rewarding career to to get involved in
0: Alicia you just touched on something really interesting there around the family being involved in the care and and working with your staff by the sounds of things to deliver the care to their loved one that makes hospice care really different and unique I think that relationship between staff and family
1: Yes, and the, when we show people through the facility, when we, we do encourage families to be as much a part of the care as they want to or, or just be there and, and let us do the caring. Uh, it, it's really uh, interesting. A lot of families will, uh, a lot of spouses or, you know, children of um of terminally ill people will feel like they've let that person down because they wanted to die at home and they and it, they just couldn't get it get to that point. Um, so it, it is really good to be able to say, look, you can still come to the hospice. We can we can provide the the bed, the room, the nursing staff if needed, but you can still do as much of the care as you want to. I think yeah. that's makes people feel more at ease that they. They're not letting their loved one down. Yeah, and they can
0: be the husband, the wife, the son, the daughter, yeah. mm. rather than the carer.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, and they've got that option right yeah. through to the very end. And some families like to participate and help with the cares mm-hmm. um, right right till the the time of, of discharge from the facility. So and that's really helps with their resilience into the future of of you know through their grief journey as well.
0: Uh, Alicia, just briefly, voluntary assisted dying or VAD is something that that our community is is working through. And VAD became an additional end of life choice for Queenslanders in, in January of this year. Mm-hmm. Other states and territories are on their own journey with VAD. But what's been your Experience these sort of few weeks down the, the road from bad becoming a reality in Queensland. What's been your experience? What are the ins- insights that you can share with us?
1: Fraser Coast Hospice is not participating in. Um voluntary assisted dying, we're not providing uh, voluntary assisted dying services, but we are uh, respecting the choice of our clients. Um, and if they uh, request information about voluntary assisted dying or accessing VAD services, then we will work with their doctor and with them and with the, the QVAD support service to ensure that we meet their their choices and their needs.
0: Again, end of life should all be about choices, shouldn't it? And, and it absolutely and should be. And racism, respect
1: what they need. Respect choices. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well said, Alicia. Given the the success that your community has had in in establishing its own hospice, have you got any advice for other regional communities around mm-hmm. how to how to do this? How to how to get the ear of a politician? How to get the get the funding? Mm-hmm. What worked for you guys? How did you do it? Any any words of advice for other regional communities who would love their own hospice?
1: Well I wasn't involved in the, uh, the original submission, um, with the original uh, building committee or the project committee, but I know that they, uh, spent a lot of time thinking about what they wanted for Harvey Bay or for this, for the Wide Bay region or the Fraser Coast region. And, um, they, uh, they met with a local member here at the time and, uh, they, they were successful uh, with their bid. So I think it's persistence um, and it's it's getting out into the community and helping the community understand how important hospices are uh, or how important palliative care is for number one, um, but certainly how important hospices are and having a facility where you can provide just palliative care and people can have that, that experience. So it's persistence, but um the, the the original project committee did some fantastic, um very lengthy, very committed work to 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 establish what we have now. So uh-huh.
0: We certainly need to do more and and do better for making palliative care more accessible in regional and rural communities and Fraser Coast are leading the way. Thank you so much for your time today, Alicia. Thanks for sharing your work and your wisdom with us and congratulations on what you've achieved at at Fraser Coast Hospice. It's it's really inspirational. Thank Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity, Ian. And whether you're
0: tuning in through Spotify, YouTube or our socials, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking an interest and in engaging with one of the, the big last taboos of our society, death and dying. Thank you for your interest. I'll see you again next Thursday at 3 o'clock. In the meantime, head to the Palliative Care Australia website explore our tools and resources. ta da